0: episode of the horror countdown podcast. I'm your host Donna Nelly, and with me tonight is ho- cross media horror producer Lady Miriam.
1: Hey, nice to uh be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Ah, thank you for uh coming on board. I'm uh, really happy we got to do this because we're going to be doing a topic that uh is near and dear to your heart based on uh, our pre-show conversation. Uh we're going to be discussing our favorite witches in films. Oop, oop. So, uh, yeah, we were uh, discussing a little bit about this at length uh, before we started. But um, let's go ahead and uh, give a little history about uh, the topic at hand and uh, why we selected it.
1: Yeah, well, um, witches in film are an interesting phenomenon because although we all have the typical witch in mind and, and how we imagine a witch to be, the way to use it and what we expect the the witch to mean, what role we expect it to carry, really varies depending on the context we're, we're consuming the medium in or, or, you know, historical context or sociological context. What is going on with people? What is going on with the filmmakers reacting to the situation? And what is the audience reading into this role, into the story? Now, a lot of this is a mix of history and opinion, so uh, feel free to fact-check things and tell me that I'm wrong and and correct me. But uh, this is just a brief overview. I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just passionate about the topic. I have friends who are passionate about the topic, live in the world of witchcraft, if you will. And uh, and so this comes from the heart rather than from the books. But I think looking at witches in the early role of witches, they're very much a portrayal of the outcast. So usually you have a town, a village, a community, and people who belong to it. And the witch for hundreds of years, uh, and not just, you know, in reality, but also in stories, was representative of someone who lived outside of that community. And it's a really interesting... Uh, situation or relationship between these individuals and the community nearby, because on the one hand, they are not part of this group, they don't invest the same things, they can't expect the same sort of help, but often the witch is still there on, you know, a hero's journey to get some sort of input to help them get on the right path, or maybe corrupt them and test them, and 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 try to figure out, well, is Is this additional input from someone with an outsider's perspective, is it helping the the hero or is it hindering them? And how does the hero deal with this knowledge and this information that he, she, they get from this individual? So it's always been an interesting character because the witch as an outcast offers a lot of stuff like um, medicinal assistance or maybe pursuing tasks that are usually not considered respectable and helping people hide secrets or healing uh, that they usually can't do within their community. So the role of the outcast has always been in storytelling with this witch role a very complex one um and that was for hundreds of years thousands of years you know depending um even if you look at fairy tales and folklore so there's a lot of that going on um technically folklore stories with a version of a witch have been around for a very very long time um uh, but then if we look at the 20th century we have the witch uh, suddenly, shifting its relevance in society, at least in Western culture, uh, you often in the 40s and 50s had maybe a uh, cinematic or you know film portrayal of a witch that was very close to what we know to be the femme fatale. And as you know, the reason why the femme fatale as a character trope was created, especially after the World Wars, so after the First World War, after the Second World War, was because whilst the men were all fighting these wars, the women had to become more independent than they used to be. So when guys came back and they suddenly saw these women are doing everything, they're not just cooking, cleaning and taking care of the kids, but they're working, they're making money, they're hustling, you know, that that uh, independent woman that really was a result of, of war times, it caused mixed feelings with a lot of people in society, whether it's general society or men in particular, because on the one hand they were distrusting of the female independence but at the same time they were drawn to their their uh, you know they were drawn into the allure of the of the independent woman and that was the femme fatale and a lot of witch images that were kind of created in the in the early mid century they leaned into that femme fatale image because again it's about the outcast female Uh, you know, who kind of takes care of herself, and so the two were related and sometimes just connected in roles. And then we kind of move into the 60s and 70s where the role of the witch changed yet again, and again, there was this huge dualism and we're going to talk about continue to talk about dualism with the witch, you know, more uh, in today's episode. But what's interesting here is that you had two different versions of the witch. So on on the one hand, you had this, I'm going to call it a hippie version of a witch. Uh, you are looking at witches that were connected to nature. They saw themselves as part of uh, an ecosystem. They respect the planet, and therefore they receive strength in return from Mother Nature, from the planet. Again, Mother Nature already being a feminine depiction of our environment, and nature in general. So you had that on the one hand, you know, with the, you know, 60s, 70s hippie movement and commune movement and everything you had going on then. But then on the other hand, you also had shows like Bewitched, for example, where you took the, uh, the simple... Housewife character, and basically in a in a humorous and ironic way, showed that even an average woman, the fact that she can keep a household going, um, is is close to to magic. Like how do they do that? And obviously, it's it's pushed pushed to its limits in in this series. But you know, adding that sense of magic and wonderment to the role of a suburban wife and mother. So uh, you know, on the one hand, we're the conventional role of a woman in a family unit. unit, And on the other hand, we are using witchcraft or the life as a witch to glamorize the uh, role of a woman in a family unit. So it's, it's quite interesting. And that's where we first see some of this, you know, intense dualism, such opposites of the scales. And then we move to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And suddenly the witch becomes um, more powerful, more rebellious, slightly punk, depending on their circles. And the witch is symbolic for, again, female independence, but in a rebellious kind of way, and sisterhood. And that's where you get a lot of series like, you know, Buffy, Charmed, um. And uh, and a whole bunch of movies that kind of show like these coming of age stories of these young girls like in the craft and they're trying to figure out their role and everything. So that's where you get a lot of those movements. It's very it's still very female focused. Mostly there are. Uh, you know, male witches as well, but generally very female focused and, you know, just very rebellious and 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 very much about the community amongst witches. And what I find more interesting is kind of looking at witches now and witches in media over the last 20 years and this is my perception so again feel free to uh to to contradict me when i'm done but i've noticed that the dualism has now kind of spread um between the two forms of film on the one hand series and television and on the other hand uh Indie films, in particular, I mean film, but focus on independent filmmaking. Uh, those are the two that I picked out because I just found them the most to be the most opposite and the most interesting. And with witches in television, I'm going to name examples like American Horror Story, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, witches are very fashionable still. I mean witches have been made fashionable ever since the femme fatale really but uh, but television has kept that they they're they're dressed well they're styled well even if they're eccentric they're very they're very interesting looking individuals but what television has done completely differently is now which w- the witch as a as a trope is being used to challenge Gender roles and gender identities. So now it's not just female focus. A witch is a male, a female, non-binary. It can be anything. Um, and sometimes, it, depending on the year and the, and the and the format, it's spelled out. But often, when you're a witch, you're a witch, and they don't necessarily separate anymore. Um, and it's something that television has really been experimenting with to kind of move with the trends of society, figuring out, well, what does it mean what does gender mean what does it mean for us what does it mean for others what perspectives from other people can we can we use to understand different lifestyles uh, different experiences and the witch with all its magic becoming a gender neutral thing um, is really helping um, on that quest to kind of smash those gender role expectations and take it in a different direction so that's the one end of the scale and now the other end of the scale with independent filmmaking, a lot of indie films seem to be taking witch characters that are completely inspired by folklore. So we've got the film The Witch, we've got The Wretched, we've got A Dark Song, Hellbender, Doister, Two Witches. These are all indie uh, horror films that are about a or numerous witches. And they're all inspired by folklore tales. So they're sometimes like evil fairy tale characters, or they're still very close to nature. Their designs are only a little bit humanoid, but they can change that. There's just a lot more to it. Some lean more into the, you know, connection between witches. Sometimes they're they're alone and outcasts. That really varies. But what they have in common is that they're all inspired by folklore. And the reason why indie films seem to be doing this is because they want to depict a commentary on human nature itself. And when you dive into folklore and you strip people of all things technology, it really boils down to people and society and how they think and what they do and what their value system is. And that's really interesting because it kind of says... In a a very witty way, you know what, no matter how fancy your technology may be and and what you use in your day-to-day life, the issues and challenges you have as, as a human have been the same for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And as a human being, you're not better than your Forefathers and ancestors were. You're the exact same person with the exact same problems. And this folklore inspired creature is going to strip you of all things that make you modern and really show you that that's the case, which is a really interesting movement. And again, has a different agenda than a lot of witches in um, television, but nonetheless is a result of where we are as a society now. Now, over the last Two years, there's been yet another movement uh, on the scene that I've watched with witches. And that's some series, maybe more than two years, a few years, last few years. And that is series that kind of blend the two. So the, the two examples that I wrote down are the French series Marianne. And uh, or Marianne, probably butchering the name. And then the more recent series, Brand New Cherry Flavor. And these are interesting because the hybrid that they choose in their style is that the series are still fashionable. The characters are still fashionable. Um, and yet they're still inspired by folklore and have their commentary on society. So it's kind of blending the two. It's making things very clean, very impressive to look at, very aesthetically pleasing, you know, until the horror steps in and, and it's gruesome or terrifying and dark, but it the horror works best because of how clean and beautiful the rest of it is. Um, but it's dripping even in modern day society it's stripping the characters of all things that are modern and technological and showing that their issues are still human issues. So it's a hybrid. We've seen this this hybrid version. So that's what I've kind of perceived uh, witches and media to be in a nutshell. Uh, Don, <laughs> I'd be interesting to hear what you think about everything.
0: Um, I, I kind of got lost in that. That was masterful. Um, it, it makes a lot more sense saying it out loud um, rather than, you know, just hearing bits and pieces of, like over history. Uh, I, I, I've never really thought of the connection um, between femme fatale and witchcraft, although it does make a lot of sense since mm. you said it with the use of using, you know, like their feminine wiles as sort of an, an, um, an anagram for the witch, their like sensory powers as sort of like a bewitching ad- attitude to like put them under their spell and make them do, you know, bend to their whims. It's a pretty interesting way of looking right. at it. And yeah, that that makes a lot of sense now that you said that. Um turning it into the 60s um with the family-friendly stuff like you said with Bewitched, um I was even thinking like I Dream of Genie in a sense where, you know, even that's yeah. still sort of like using like witch-like powers in a sense, you know, trying to like for sure, you know, trying to tame the tame the image down to a point where you're not necessarily trying to make them objects of, you know, out like ostracism, and trying to, you know, make it like a more appealing thing to sort of, you know, balance the, you know, balance it out to sort of like play into along, you know, the civil rights movement, and you know, you see all of you know, like the equality and you know, women's rights and all of that. You see like the movement to try to change it away from like, you know, the evil mysticism and you know, like the dark magic, and to sort of try to turn it into like a, a family friendly, you know, atmosphere and you try to, you know, not necessarily use the same old, same old, but, you know, add like a new spin to it. You know, like you said, you know, using your powers as a, you know, beneficiary tool rather than, you know, I'm going to, you know, turn, you know, I'm going to cast a spell and turn this guy into a frog or whatever, you know, like, you know, use like <laughs> yeah. an example like that, but yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. um, a lot of the you know, the evolution in history, you see a lot of the you know, a lot of the stuff you mentioned, you know, like the craft you see like a lot of, you know, peeling to the teens and try to, you know, bring that aspect together alongside, you know, a lot of the, you know women's equality that was still, you know, an issue at the time. And you you know, you make the focus all about female empowerment. and, you know, they're teens, so they're still going through their puber their, you know, their early stages of puberty cycles and tying that into like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the discovery of witchcraft and you know, using that as sort of it, it I'm I'm trying to think of like I don't wanna say enhancing, but to sort of like, you know, parallel, you know like a parallel form of, you know, female evolution and, you know, gender. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense with um, a lot of the with a lot of uh, what you were saying there. Um, I, I I can't speak too much of the modern day stuff just because a lot of it is I I, I don't want to say a lot of you know uncommon because a lot of the films you mentioned I didn't get to um I haven't seen um the only one I have seen that you mentioned is The Witch um so that one was. I'm I'm kind of a little bit lost on the modern day stuff, so I'll just have to take your word for it based on everything else you said. But yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I I really like the way that that came out because it it put a lot of holes together and a lot of kind of you know connecting the dots so to speak. Um, I I wouldn't have thought to make them, but I I can definitely agree with where you're going, and uh yeah, a lot of the stuff just makes a lot of sense.
1: I mean, I would definitely recommend these indie witch films because they do put a new twist on on the storytelling and um i mean you've seen the witch and considering how indie film and artistic it is i'm impressed by how uh, mainstream the film really became because if i had seen it for example as a festival submission i would have said amazing film run it at the festival but then i wouldn't have known well, is this gonna get the kind of distribution that runs it in the movie theater? I don't know. And obviously it's connected to larger companies that have that sort of access. However, that doesn't mean that the audience, the mainstream audience, will react as such. And that was a big surprise for me. It was very slow pace and 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 there was a lot of building of tension for these particular brief moments to happen that left an impression so i was very i was very impressed by the impact that that film had the wretched is directed by the pierce brothers and i and i don't want to say too much about that um a dark song i would definitely take note of because um i would say based on the feedback i've heard from like the active uh community that deals with with these sort of um cultural uh phenomena that a dark song is probably the closest to the idea of what real witches have imagined a ritual to be like and it has even though it's not it's not the exact replica of an existing historical ritual it really has an authenticity to it that you'll appreciate and if you don't know much about which communities in real life it'll feel very bizarre to watch it and definitely be an experience so i recommend that um hellbender has been doing the rounds because it's uh it's it was produced by a family on a very low budget
0: oh 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 the adams family yeah no i have seen this one actually um I, i i kind of missed that one in the in the description, I think you kind of glossed over the title. Yeah, I have seen it and uh actually we will be talking about that on my end.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so that's okay, that's yeah, definitely so, one. And okay, then, yeah, um, and then Yeah, I, yeah.
0: I, I didn't catch that when you were going over the titles, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I have seen it. Yeah, that. no, it's
1: fine. I just I also didn't give you time to react, so that, oh, that no worries, makes yeah. me in fault anyway. But Doister is a very new found footage uh film. Um, which I recommend, and two, which is, I think, did the festival circuit last year. Um, and the directors live in California, but they're originally from France. And that also gives the film a very different flavor because they're kind of um, they're they're doing an American style film, indie film, but with influences from French. Folklore and French storytelling around witches. So, again, very different. And Doister has, uh, I think, is from Scandinavia. I can't remember which country exactly. Again, when you have different cultures mixing. It always has a different flavor, which is why I listed those films they are very, very different films. But they're all about witches and all the witches are inspired by folklore. So if you get a chance, some of them you can watch. Others you'll have to go to festivals to watch because they're just that fresh. But I, I do recommend getting whatever you can get your hands on.
0: Nice, um, yeah, I, I've definitely got them marked down. Uh, they sound a lot of fun. So mm. um, dark song, I, I know the name. I, I've, I there's a few friends I know that I've seen it. Um, it actually seems kind of split. Actually, a uh, lot of the friends that I've seen it over in Europe rave about it. A lot of the American friends I've seen
1: it aren't very high on it. I could totally see that. <laughs> well, I live in Europe, so just as an yeah. explanation too. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, uh, and it that, does uh, have a different pacing.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, uh, that's the only one that I'm familiar with just because I've seen other people that have seen it. Um, the European friends I've seen rave about it. The American ones are kind of lukewarm to mild, putting it lightly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do have the others listed down, so I'm, I'm definitely keen to uh, track them down or if, uh, at least not keep an eye out for them when they arrive. So yeah, that was uh that was right like i said yeah that was interesting yeah i was kind of lost in that for a few seconds so maybe that was how i missed hellbender
1: <laughs> wait a second did she say hellbender or not 50 minutes later what do you think don uh
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah no uh, no I, I yeah yeah that, that was uh that was fascinating um so in terms of um segueing into our list um I'm not sure of how you approached it, but I took it under, um, the aspect under the approach of how impactful the witch actually played a part in the film, not whether or not the, the quality of the film. So I kind of have not necessarily the greatest well-made films on here, but they're more how impactful the witch is in the film. So if you can speak a little bit about how you formed your list and, uh, we'll get started on there, but, um, I don't know how you did it.
1: Well, uh, I cheated. Um, Uh, actually no I didn't fulfill the assignment so I've been I've been naughty instead of doing a list of favorite witch films I picked five with some interesting fun facts so I would love to hear your list of 10 and discuss why you chose them Um, but then rather than talking about my favorites I just have random facts and we can have a chuckle over some of those
0: All right, so um, I'll just uh, read off my 10 and uh, we can react uh, real quickly. So, uh, yeah, my number 10 was an Indonesian film. Um, It's one of my all-time favorites. I went with uh, Mystics in Bali.
1: Ooh, good one. Yes. Okay, yes. I was wondering when you said Indonesian, I was like, oh, he's going to say that one. But that's so weird. It's such a weird film. Oh, I um, absolutely love that movie. Love Um, it.
0: Yeah, that movie is amazing. Yeah, definitely recommend that one.
1: And um, and again with that one because you're looking at a different culture, the depiction of what this crazy ass witch does and what she's capable of physically and magically it's so beyond what we're used to because to us the witch just has a pointy hat and stuff and i don't want to spoil anything i mean Uh, simply by by googling the title you'll see stuff that makes you go what what is what am i looking at what am i watching but that's a that's a great one yeah
0: yeah so my number nine was the lords of salem the rob zombie film
1: Okay, good. Classic. Love it. Yeah,
0: yeah my number eight was Hellbender.
1: <laughs> here we go. <laughs> now, why did you pick Hellbender?
0: So, I picked Hellbender because it's... Be- it, I'm trying to, you know, be a little spoiler here, because my first thoughts is to, you know, go deep into spoiler territory, but <laughs> it's a mother-daughter relationship that involves witchcraft as a means of enhancing their evolution and their... Their, you know, their growth cycle in a sense. Um, the discovery that you know her mother is capable of these powers, and it's growing in her after the encounter with the teens, and you see that it draws the two of them together, but then also drags them apart to where you see that there's now all of a sudden this combative relationship in their you know the mother and daughters are now suddenly combative to a point where she's growing up she's being a little bit more rebellious she's you know not wanting to spend as much time with her mother and she wants to you know go out and explore the world it just so happens to coincide with the fact that you know she's suddenly coming into her own as a witch so it's a fun little uh back and forth dynamic um i i really enjoyed it and i had a lot of fun with it so
1: yeah Uh, it's really good and considering again, it was a family endeavor with like a super low budget, but you know, and sometimes there there's shots where you can see that, but generally it was made with yeah. so much heart, and it's such a captivating story as well. So I definitely dug it.
0: Yeah, uh, my number seven. Um, I've always uh, really liked this one. It's a more recent one. I went with Piewacket.
1: Oh, interesting. I haven't heard anyone speak about Piewacket in. Well, since it came out, I got a screener at the time, but most people I know have not seen it. Funnily enough.
0: Oh, I I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite modern films. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, so super dark, great buildup, lots of uh, very moody. You know, yeah, very great atmosphere. Um, brutal, brutal final half. I just I absolutely love <laughs> the way that the uh, they it plays off there. But yeah, um, I, I I've really been a big fan of that one.
1: Um, that was a good one.
0: Yeah, my number six. Um, I went old school with this one. Um, I'm not necessarily sure a lot have seen it. I went with the long hair of death.
1: I have not seen that. Okay, let me just look it yeah. up.
0: Okay, so um, it's an Italian film from 1964.
1: Um, okay, okay. Yeah, it's
0: yeah, it's a old school gothic core Barbara classic. Steel. Barbara Steele. Barbara Steele, yeah. Um, she plays dual roles in this. Uh, she plays a uh, woman who. Um her mother was sentenced to death as a witch, and years later uh, she grows into uh, the daughter who's uh, engaged to be married to uh, the king who actually murdered her father. So um Whoa. So yeah, um, forget
1: dynasty, that's real intrigue. <laughs> yeah, so
0: so yeah, the uh she's engaged to be the, she's engaged to the son of the guy who killed her mother. And her mother's, your mother's uh, spirit ends up possessing her and uh, sends her out on a rampage using the powers to uh, take the family down and uh, seek revenge. So it's a That's really awesome. It's, yeah, it's really fun. I, I'm a huge fan of that one. Um, my number I know five. I will
1: be watching this week. <laughs>
0: my number five. Um, I again I went a little Asian. Um, I went with uh, Impetigor.
1: Impatigor? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna Impatigor. Is there a different title, a different name for the movie? No. Um Oh, this is the oh I know this. This is one of the newer ones.
0: Yeah. This one is Yeah, the, I've seen this. Yeah, this one is amazing. I I'm a huge fan of this. Um
1: also Indonesian. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um we'll come back to that country one more time, but um oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this one. I, I love the concept of what it does. I love the black magic. I, I love, you know, this town mystery that uh, pervades over the entire film. Brutal, brutal gore. Um, I'm a huge fan. So
1: well, and and I would say, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I saw this, I knew nothing about the film. And it starts off again, very like, family centric and you know you're trying to figure out okay well what are they going through what's this about i had no idea it was going to go off the rails the way it did and i'm not really spoiling anything because yeah. it, whatever you're expecting it's just expect less or nothing and let it lead you because it yeah. again the <laughs> the space and the atmosphere and even the the location was it's technically a house in a forest but there's something about it that's so uncanny so right. yeah that was definitely got to spread spread the word on that one there's some there's some weirdness going on in that go yeah. indonesia <laughs>
0: yeah um so again um uh, my number um well number 4 and uh 4 and 3 are both old school stuff um so i'm a huge fan of that those kinds of witchcraft films uh number 4 was uh burn witch burn or night of the eagle yes yeah, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of that one. I, I, I love what what it does. Um, starting in, you know, one of the early precursors to what you are saying, you know, the family-friendly trying to, you know, tone the witch down, sort of, you know, happy homemaker kind of a witch who's trying to use <laughs> her powers for good, but, uh, you know, things backfire kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, um, great <laughs> stuff there. I'm a huge fan. And uh, number Very three, good. yeah, number three again, um, old school film. I went with Black Sunday, the Mario Bava film. Yes.
1: Yes. That's a good one. I'm Is a, that the um the one with the scene in the end with her face yep, changing? Oh my. Yeah, that, that's sorry. Her. That that so that one you, you know what people listening to this. So you should watch that film anyway in any case. But then watch how she's being filmed and her at the end of the film and her age changes and Before you look it up, I could say it now, but I won't. Before you look it up, guess how they did it with the technology of the time, because it is so bonkers. And I mean, I only gave myself two minutes, five minutes to figure it out. And I failed Uh, and ended up, you know, having someone tell me. But oh, so clever. Again, very scary, very moody.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm a huge fan. It's one of my all time favorites. Actually, I can say that this is in my top 10 of all time. I absolutely love this film. Mm. Just impeccable atmosphere, fantastic visuals, great storyline, you know, for the time being a sense. And oh my god, that opening just mm, talk about talk about an immersive quality right there.
1: (laughs) It's yeah. so good. And and yeah, so elaborate as well. Sometimes I look at films these days and I'm like, they don't do that for movies anymore. <laughs> it was so good.
0: Yeah. Um, so like I said, um I kind of went off the rails with this. Um so my numbers uh, two and one are both Asian. Um so I, I yeah, I, I kind of delved into the weirdness here. Um so number two um is the Indonesian Queen of Black Magic remake. The uh, one from 2020. Uh, I'm
1: just looking it up to see if I know it, because I don't think I do. No, I haven't seen this one.
0: Oh my God, this movie is fantastic. Um, so it's about it's, it's a uh, group of kids who, um, as adults, reunite at their old um, orphanage to pay tribute to their um, the, the orphanage head who's um, about to expire, and you know pass away so they you know stage a little reunion to you know get together and you know reminisce about old times and come to find out that there's a secret involving a town witch buried underneath the cellar of the house and uh she's come oh, back God. For re- she's come back for revenge in the most heinous of ways possible um yeah there's a scene where that sounds um,
1: terrifying
0: oh um uh, yeah th- this is uh just one of the most brutal things um i i've seen um there's a sequence where um, a person takes a straight razor to their arms and just absolutely shreds them. And it's not. Uh... Most, yeah. It's not the most brutal thing that happens in the film. Trust me. The, yeah. This thing. Is okay. Well
1: fest. that's on my watch list now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. This
0: thing is a gore fest. I, I absolutely loved it. I had so much fun with it. And then um, mm-hmm. my number. Yeah. My number one. Um, I've championed this film for years. Uh, it's one of my all time favorites. Again. Um, I went with Hong Kong's The Boxer's Omen.
1: The Boxer's Omen? I also have not seen this.
0: <laughs> like I said, I, I went off the rails. Um
1: Yeah, slightly, yeah. I'm noticing it now. <laughs> but so, I mean I'm looking at pictures and it and it looks amazing.
0: Okay, so um I'll I'll try to do this justice because the plot's a little weird. So um <laughs> the So basically, um, this small time hoodlum, this uh, small time hoodlum in Hong Kong, his brother is a championship kickboxer. And his brother ends up winning a championship match against his rival, but in fury over losing, the rival ends up crippling the brother. So he ends up going back to his hometown where the hoodlum challenges him to a fight. Where, however, while there, the hoodlum ends up getting in contact with a group of monks who believe that he is the celestial twin spirit of the head monk of their order, who died in a wizard battle against an evil order and try to teach him the ways of their organization to defend the world against the against the monks that are trying to take over the world.
1: That's um, okay, <laughs> so a very simple plot. Okay, well, you know i wish they had just filled some of the gaps but whatever (laughs) but they can't all be winners
0: (laughs) so um yeah i i've actually got a funny story about being traumatized by this um because i had initially oh fun so i had initially watched this thinking um it was a kickboxer ripoff (laughs) (laughs)
1: um (laughs) almost
0: yeah so um I, i i I picked it up blindly at a TV. I picked it up blindly at a store, um, not knowing anything about it. I mean, this is like back in the early 2000s. Like, you know, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have, you know, no pocket internet, none of that. I was just basically going blind. So I picked it up. I I see Boxer's Omen. I think, ooh, Kickboxer, Boxer's Omen. Like, for some reason, the Jean-Claude Van Damme film, kicked popped into my head i thought it was a ripoff you know the back of the film featured this guy getting punched in the face in a boxing match i thought all right might as well. so i ended up watching it uh just before dinner one day and um there's a scene with uh veins um popping out of a person's body that resembles tentacles oh my and my God.
1: uh
0: <laughs> yeah um i'll just leave it at that um yeah fun stuff <laughs> Um, Sounds and,
1: fun, yeah. Yeah. It's on my I've,
0: list now. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's so good. Uh, I. It's just over the top. It's just a uh, continuous one upmanship one-upsmanship of uh, magic rituals and rites. Uh, it's just so good. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, there's scenes where uh, you know, crocodile skull. There's like 50 crocodile skulls that just manifest in this one room, and they try to snap this one guy, and then you know he manages to get away, and so all of a sudden all of the eyes turn into giant bats. So he has to try to fend himself <laughs> off against the giant bats that appear. Of course, and when, naturally. And then, when as all one bats, does. Yeah. So, once all the bats are d- done away with, they mer- merge into this uh, giant one eyed Cyclops monster. <laughs> and, uh, of you course, know, can you
1: be- what else? <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> That's it's, amazing. Yeah. It, this is just an absolute just spectacle. I mean, you, it's just so good. Um, I like I said I I've been a fan of this one for a long time. Uh, it kind of traumatized me in a sense, so uh, it kind of sticks with me. But uh, oh man, uh, yeah. all the best uh, films
1: do. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, that was uh, my list. Like I said, I kind of went off the beaten path with this one. But um, slightly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I I lo- I feel I feel proud that I've seen at least a few of those but some of those i have not seen so <laughs> you have just made my watch list a little longer and uh they're great recommendations and very versatile it's a very versatile list so um yeah i like it well done you
0: nice yeah um real quickly for um, honorable mentions i would have had uh, hansel and gretel get baked um a horror comedy <laughs> from a few years ago um, I had a lot of fun with it. It was kind of goofy and silly, but, uh, you know, one of those not really worthy of a list. But um, I also had a, a film called Terror. Um, it's a Suspiria knockoff about a witch coming back from the okay. past. Yeah, it's from 78 uh, or 79. It's, uh, it's a UK film. And uh, it's basically a witch coming back and killing off uh, the descendants who murdered her kind of a thing. Kind of tropey, but um, I had fun with it. Um, I also had uh, the cool. Russian yeah, I also had the the Russian film The Spirit of Evil. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it's another old school film. Uh basically a guy is tasked with looking over a um witch's grave, uh, a person's grave for uh, several nights and performing a uh, you know, ritual to let all the soul to pass over, but uh he doesn't realize that she was a witch and tr- is uh trying to tempt his soul the entire time. So Ooh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that I have also not seen, so that's also going on the list, but that's an interesting premise. Damn, okay.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Um, And then I had a, a I wasn't really sure how this would play in as a witch film. Um, I, I kind of looked at it more as a cult film, but it always was uh, caught under as witch film. Um, City of the Dead. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always thought of it as cult film, but it kept on popping up as a witch film, so I wasn't really sure. And it's it had been so long since I seen it, and I always thought it was a cult film. Um, so I, I yeah, I, was, I thought it was. Yeah. But so, I um, guess
1: when when it comes to like these rituals and stuff, it's easy to argue yeah, in that the was one kind of... or the other way. I mean, it was advertised as a witchcraft centric film, so yeah.
0: yeah and then uh, this was one that I was really wanting to put on the list, and uh, I I just I couldn't make it, but um. I had Curse of the Demon.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely worth a, yeah. an honorable mention. Yeah, that one was um, fun. I, Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. speak, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was I was generally uh, going through a, a few films that that weren't in your list that are worth honorable mentions and Curse of the I mean, mentally Curse of the Demons is, or Demon is definitely Uh, Yeah, worth worth bringing up. And also I was thinking, well, you mentioned Suspiria and then there's Gratel and Hensel, uh, which is, uh, you know, a more modern, again, indie witch film. It's not to be mistaken with the comedy that you named. But yeah, Curse of the Demon is a is a cool one. Definitely. Nice. So um,
0: let's move on to uh, yours. What were um, the ones that uh, you had managed to uh, find? Because I'm kind of intrigued about these.
1: Okay, so uh, I took five very famous witch films and I picked a fun fact for each one because I'm a big fan of either, you know, the process behind filmmaking or... um you know, just behind the scenes info that you usually don't know about that I kind of geek about, like random trivia um, is super up my alley. So I picked famous witch films with random trivia uh, and five because I figured that would be enough for for now. (laughs) So um, my first fun fact is for the film The Witch that we have mentioned numerous times today uh, from 2015. So the production designer uh, went with the film's DP and costume designer to Plymouth, Massachusetts to learn more about what life would have been like for Puritan farmers. So he actually studied their structures and tools and visited various original sites where Puritan farms once were, and even met with an archaeologist who was local to the area, to learn more about 17th century farming in Plymouth. So with this knowledge that came from their research and the consultation with the archaeologists, he was able to build the farms uh, and the and and just the structure of everything in a very authentic uh, Puritan style. So yeah, it wasn't just a cool-looking old farm with a fence. There was a lot of research that actually went into that. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Nice, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the second film I have on my list is The Witches from 1990, which we were speaking about movies that traumatized us, and depending on how old you were when you saw The Witches, this film might have traumatized you too, at least the uh, 1990 version based on the book. And, uh, I mean, I personally thought the film was... Really cool, but when I saw it, um, and I was very young at the time, I wasn't in kindergarten yet. uh, I think what scared me the most, and this is not the fun fact, it's just a random piece about me. But what scared me the most was the little girl in the painting that whole story about her curse that you know, with the little girl who was kidnapped by a witch and stuck in a painting. But anyway, so our fun fact for the witches, um, the hotel where the movie uh, starring the amazing Angelica Houston was filmed uh, is actually a now over 120-year-old hotel called The Headland in Cornwall, England. So I've got two little fun facts for this. First of all, Rowan Atkinson, uh, you guys might know him as Mr. Bean, but he also played in The Witches. Um, One night he accidentally left his bath running before he went to bed. And he ended up flooding the entire ground floor of the hotel, or a big portion of it, including the film's production office. So that happened while they were trying to produce a film. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that this hotel is supposedly um, haunted by a ghost, which is effectively a lady wearing a, quote, long dark coat without arms and a funny small white hat on her head. So whilst uh, they were filming there, uh, cast and crew had to make sure to, um, yeah, not bump into this hotel's ghost at night. So I thought that was funny. There's a lot of trivia behind this film as well. I completely forgot that Angelica Houston was... um, was uh dating what's his face at the time i keep wanting to say jack but uh yeah uh, from jack nicholson that's it that's it jack nicholson at the time (laughs) i keep wanting to say jack what was his name bill bob (laughs) uh yeah so so yeah so apparently he was also constantly sending her roses and the women who were taking the phone calls in the hotel they got excited every time jack nicholson called and stuff so really interesting um and uh And funnily enough, I'm going to bring up this movie later as well, but he had Angelica Houston. um, He pushed for her to get an audition for the film Witches of Eastwick, but apparently she wasn't quite so compelling uh, at her audition. And the role went to another actress. I believe that was the role that went to Cher ultimately. Uh, And speaking of Witches of Eastwick, that is the third film I'm going to be talking about uh, from 1987. So this I thought was pretty fun. Apparently, the producer, John Peters, had, before shooting, recently seen the film Aliens. And he was so obsessed with the film itself and the box office numbers that he wanted to make the film Witches of Eastwick about aliens, so he even showed up to the set one day with a stuntman dressed as an alien and requested to have him randomly put into a scene, any scene. Just wanted him in the background of some scene. And the director, George Miller, and the actor, Jack Nicholson, actually had to leave the set in protest until Peters agreed to drop the idea. So I thought that was, <laughs> that was really interesting. I mean, I personally love the film Witches of Eastwick, but the idea of that being about aliens seems a little... You know, i probably still love it, but it was a little out there. Uh, So my next film trivia is The Craft. So this I thought was quite interesting. Originally, um, I think it was Rochelle. Is that the name of the character? Her story revolved around an eating disorder. But before going into production, the screenplay and script were altered um, to to cast rachel true who is a woman of color uh and make her storyline and her character arc uh, about being bullied based on race uh, and originally that was not intended for the story and for the film but they wanted her as an actress and they wanted to bring attention to this and so yeah they ended up changing the script to accommodate for this some um, particular storyline And then, of course, you see the results and it's very much about her being bullied by a very pretty, you know, blonde girl. Uh, And yeah, just to draw attention to that issue. And then my last little fun fact around a witch-themed, a famous witch-themed horror film uh, is for the film Hocus Pocus uh, from 1993. So you might remember the undead boyfriend uh, Billy Lee Butcherson so some of you might know that he was played by Doug Jones which is even today one of our favorite creature actors um, so it turns out that Doug Jones uh, had a mouth rig for the role now you might be asking why well let me explain what this mouth rig was it was a latex pocket attached to dentures that blocked off Jones's throat. And the reason why they did this was because that scene where he opens his mouth and moths fly out, those were actually real moths. And so they gave him this mouth rig so that uh, they could just stay in his mouth without getting stuck. And then when he opened his mouth, could just fly out. So uh, Doug Jones has actually literally spit out uh, live moths and it wasn't just a prop. There you go. Those are my famous witch film fun facts.
0: <laughs> nice. That's. Um, I I had heard the witch thing um, through passing. Uh, I I I I remember that. Um, I remember hearing. Uh, the stories about all the research that would gone on about you know how the sets were being built with like actual wood from that century and that uh, you know all the sets were handcrafted and all the you know the wardrobe mm-hmm. and stuff was done you know period detail and all that kind of stuff so yeah that makes sense um, I, I I may have heard uh, the one with uh, witches and witches of Eastwick um, I, I can't recall if I've ever like heard them in fact but i remember hearing like behind the scenes trivia about those two so that that makes sense um i'd never heard the one about the the craft though that one was actually kind of new um yeah mm-hmm. it, it it makes sense I when you know. yeah it makes sense when you say that because that was kind of um i think that was um her reading just that was like the way that the the witchcraft comes back to get her was she i think she ends up like starving herself or something i remember yeah so yeah yeah, that yeah that makes sense uh saying that so yeah that one that's that's pretty cool um and then uh hocus pocus um i i i don't know much because i've only seen it once um not the target audience unfortunately but
1: (laughs) hey everyone's the target audience for hocus pocus
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I, i've seen it I, i i've seen it once um i maybe I may have to give it another shot under uh, more appropriate conditions, but um, (laughs) even still, it's pretty interesting because I've always been a fan of Doug Jones. So um, hearing about all the, you know, yeah, the stuff that he goes through for his roles, yeah, that's always uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just a huge fan of those kinds of uh, characters, performers in general. So, but yeah, that was uh, yeah.
1: Doug Jones did. I think just a few weeks months ago, he actually got an award from oh, you know what? i I can't even remember the name, but there's this big um, makeup and special effects Makeup Alliance. and he they created a category for people who wear special effects makeup and it's a completely new category and Doug Jones is the first person to get it because they were saying that there needs to be more appreciation for the people who are able to wear all this and still act and portray a character or a creature and Doug Jones is just so brilliant at it i mean he's he's the guy i mean there are, there are a lot of amazing creature actors but, um, but, yeah, he's fantastic. And I remember speaking to um Steven Kostansky, who directed Psycho Gorman, uh, amongst other films and uh, and he was saying that because obviously their main character, he's in heavy makeup in a suit. And he said it's something you have to learn and the and the guy who who played the lead, you know, he's a great actor, and 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 he was perfect for the role. But it took some getting used to and it took some design alterations as well, because there are certain things you might not think about from the get go. And, and you really need to train yourself to to act and work in the suit, you need to have endurance, it's on your body all day. So to not just have that, but, you know, also move in a certain way, I, for one, would probably get really claustrophobic, Um, But, you know, it's amazing. And so just another story like this where it's like even, you know, decades ago when Doug Jones only first started becoming famous with these creatures that he was playing. It's like, let's just stuff moths into his mouth. <laughs> like, what were people thinking? <laughs> and it's like, Good for you, Doug.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've got tons of stories. I mean, I was a huge fan of uh, you know, Godzilla growing up. So I mean I can tell stories about all the trauma and the tribulations that went through filming that stuff. Cause I mean I can go on all I can Imagine. go on for days. Yeah, I mean well, I mean, real briefly, um, one thing that most people don't realize is that that's enough the sequences in those films are not filmed in real time. They're filmed at high speed and overcrank. They're the cameras are overcranked, so it slows the movement down. Mm. So you're wearing two 300-pound rubber rubber costumes in barely ventilated environments. Japan at that time had a very, very, very prominent smoking habit. So the entire cast and crew smoked heavily in unregulated environments. And because, like I said, you're overcranking the camera, you have to uh, you have to allow for all kinds of lighting issues. So it's not stage lights set at normal temperature. You have to double the temperature because you have to slow the camera down. So you can't just have regular light. You have to have it at double light. So you're performing really? in, the, so you're performing in these movements, and you're trying to choreograph a wrestling match between two characters that can barely see, and you still have to make a compelling storyline out of it.
1: Damn. Yeah, and uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I, I have the just tremendous, most amazing amount of respect for those kinds of people because I can't do it. I, I, I couldn't possibly stand it. I mean, no, I get no. uncomfortable. Yeah, I get uncomfortable wearing T-shirts for more than five hours. I mean, I can't even wear. A... <laughs> I mean, I get. Un... Yeah. I mean, I get uncomfortable at work for five hours. I can't even stand, you know, a full body suit. So, I mean. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, as a woman, I can tell you that a lot of women get uncomfortable when they have to wear their bra for too long. <laughs> I know it's a little TMI, but like real talk. So yeah. I mean, it's it, I I totally understand. Uh, I mean, the idea of having something all over your skin or completely being covered by this costume and no fresh air and extra weight—it's so. Yeah, it's not for me. I yeah. stand in the background and I will coordinate and delegate and applaud the people who do it. I'm not the person in the costume. But then I then again I know people who love doing it because when they're in the costume, they can feel themselves transform into new people. Um and they freaking love it. Like they become different characters when they're in costume and uh, and if you really, if you live for it, then there's nothing else like it. So, you know, to each yeah. his own.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I could not just respect anybody that goes through that anymore. So, but um, sure. yeah, so I uh, guess that will uh, wrap our show up. So this was uh, as much fun as I thought. Thank you so much for uh, coming on board and doing this.
1: Well, I'd probably add one more thing before before we go, and that's yeah. because we have been talking about witches, and I did want to bring up the topic of, of people who actually live their real lives as witches, because I do know a lot of people of various genders who are self-proclaimed witches. Some of them are very public about it. Some of them not at all. Some belong to communities. A lot of them are kind of on their own. Generally, being a witch is defined by practicing witchcraft. There's not really much more to it by definition. And whether you agree with it or not, or or believe it or not, is, is completely up to you. There is also a lot of variety amongst the witch community, so you can have everything from the Very known, like Wiccan direction to, uh, you know, Christian witches, that's a thing, to, you know, witch uh, cultures that are specific to a certain region or a cultural heritage tied to a certain region. Basically, anywhere in the world you are, uh, there's going to be some sort of folklore that is tied to something more spiritual. And a lot of those have their own version of what a witch is. And it's a very vast and very interesting topic. And something that I have heard my witch friends complain about is that um, the depiction of witches is still very theatrical and comical. And it's not really real the way people who do consider themselves to be witches actually live their lives. Um, it, it, they're still kind of waiting for a show where there's a roommate who is your roommate and just happens to be a witch and there's not more to it. Um, and it's and it's really interesting because I think we're yet to get to a point where the broader audience is interested in, in seeing that. Um, even if you look at the chilling adventures of Sabrina, you know some of it is realistic or close to stories that exist and a lot of it is like a blend of different um you know cultures and and also media presentations of what a of what a witch is although I know that behind the scenes there were some people involved in the uh in the series who do uh, dabble in the quote witchy and woo woo. So, uh, so yeah, so there were people behind the scenes who, who knew what it was, but knew how to produce it in a way that was interesting for an audience. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, what you see in, in films and in series is very different from the stories that exist around witches And different from how modern self-proclaimed witches actually, you know, live their lives and and practice their craft. And uh, they're two very different things, but it's super interesting. And if you are genuinely interested in it, then uh, definitely do some research. You'll also find that there are people, even today, in many parts of the world, who are still prosecuted or even executed because they practice witchcraft even if it is like the nature kind uh south america still has issues depending on where you are with that um but even in other countries uh you know in on every continent virtually there are communities that are prosecuted because they they live their lives as witches so it's a really interesting topic and if you ever want to leave uh, media and look into it, you know, what what do people have to say about their lives as witches? It's hard to find some good and authentic sources, but when you do, uh yeah, it's it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, um my cousin, um his best friend was a self-proclaimed witch and he would regale stories about, you know, all of the, you know, times that they'd go out together and you know, they talk about it and you know be all kind of like upset and disgusted at the way you know it's like they were portrayed in media and films it's like yeah we mm. don't do that you know we're you know we tend to the earth we're healers we you know we don't you know go around right. snatching babies and sacrifice them to the devil under the moonlight i mean that's just not what we do
1: <laughs> right
0: so yeah um i mean I, I can't speak much more than that i mean that's basically like the extent of what i can offer um i mean i i i can't say much but uh yeah they're I I do agree that there is a, a disparity between real life and filmdom, but I mean, yeah. Other than that, um, yeah, I can't add much, but yeah, it was great stuff.
1: Yeah, very fascinating. Uh, yeah, cool. Well so, done. Thanks <laughs> for having me. <laughs> yeah,
0: this was uh, great. Um, I really appreciate you being here. So, uh, let uh, people know where they can uh, find you and uh, let them know what you do.
1: Well, uh, I think the best place to find me is Instagram at lady underscore Mariam underscore Michael. Uh, And Mariam is like Maria with a second M at the end. Um, And yeah, I'm a cross media horror producer. So if you ever want to talk to me about uh, anything from filmmaking to games to stage productions to holograms, to uh, you three know, d mapping um, and augmented and virtual reality uh, just to hit me up and let's let's get to know each other as long as it's all hard. I am open to any conversations, uh, and I'm looking forward to listening about your projects as well. so uh, yeah, but Don, thanks for having me. It's been awesome.
0: Oh, this was a blast. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on board. Um, You can find uh, her information down below. I will have it uh, linked in the the show notes as well as a few other surprises for you to uh, check out her and her work. But uh, thank Mm -hmm. you again for uh, being on board. And until next time, we will see you with a new topic. Take care. Bye-bye.